0: praying for them. This morning, let me see if I do this correctly. Crystal's here, so. Oh, the kids. Y'all don't want to stay in here? Okay, the kids, bye-bye. Thank you. Pete is such a help, isn't he? So we can start the clock if you want. <clears throat> this morning, we're going to be looking at the 23rd Psalm, <clears throat> and we're not going to go into great detail as to the aspects of all what is being said here and taught here or shared here, but several weeks ago, as a staff, we get together and Keith is given the, the overview of what the men's retreat should be about. And so we share together, does anybody have a particular burden for this, that, or the other? And I just said, you know, I just have a burden to go back and speak to the ladies and a few of the men on Sunday morning. Now, we kept that hush-hush so the sanctuary wouldn't be empty on Sunday morning, and so. And the 23rd Psalm kept coming to me, and I thought, well, you know, uh, it's a wonderful Psalm, but didn't feel maybe that was from the Lord. But as I continue to look at it and think about it, it just kind of settled in no this is what I want to share I want to just share some things this morning from this psalm and interesting when have most of us heard the 23rd psalm or at least portions of it shared during what funerals now you know that's fine but the shame of it is because of that the 23rd psalm has been more connected with the issue of death and dying than with life and living. And it's really a psalm about your daily walk and relationship with God. It's about life. And part of it may be construed as death because the word death is in there. But even that doesn't necessarily mean death in the fact of cessation of life. So this morning, what we're going to do is look at Psalm 23 in relation to how we are to respond during the various weather patterns of our life, during the storms of our life. Now, How many of you know it's been said about New Orleans, and I think many people say it about their own cities, if you don't like the weather, wait 10 minutes and we'll get a change. I mean, what is it, 70 some odd degrees today? And I wore this lovely summer suit to be reflective of the fact that it ain't cold here today. But I think next week it's going to be, what, 30s and 40s again. And so the weather is like the stock market, up and down and up and down. And then, of course, those of us who live in this area of the world realize that delightful period of time beginning in June 1 to November, what is that called? The hurricane season. (gasps) Or if you're up in Washington, DC, those ice storms. Give me hurricanes any day. And so we know that there's a combination of weather. But most of the time, most of us experience, at least in this area, decent weather. right? Decent weather. Maybe a little humid sometime, whatever. but at least it's livable. It's decent weather. And then, of course, we get a Katrina coming in. Now we had a storm the other night. When, when Katrina came, Jean and I and our family stayed at home. We stayed in the house. And so we went through the storm and we experienced Katrina as we did with Betsy and every other hurricane we've ever had here that we've lived through. And so we had a storm the other night, you know, and we're sitting in the back room back then, and Jean said something about, wow, that's a bad storm. You know what, you know, she got a little nervous. Fine. And I said to her, yeah, but this isn't anything like Katrina. What does that mean? We have been through worse and have come out safe. We have been through worse and have come out safe. So what does that say to me? What does that say to you in the normal weather patterns of the the year? We may get some storms. We may have some blowing winds. We may have some lightning and thunder. And, And stuff may happen. But overall, because we have been through the Betsy's and the Katrina's and the whatever else have come our way, we can relate to living in this area maybe differently than someone who has never experienced anything more than a slight breeze. You get that? So someone says tonight, Margaret Orr says tonight, well tonight we're gonna to have thunder showers and rain and you know the wind's gonna be twenty five miles an hour. How many of us start packing and leaving? I mean, how many of you pack up and leave? Why? We've been through this before. That's what twenty-third Psalm is all about. That's exactly what David is saying. You see, 23rd Psalm was written by King David, who was a shepherd for the first 20 years of his life. Remember when Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, comes to, on the uh, word of the Lord, go down to Bethlehem and go to the house of Jesse, and I want you to anoint one of his sons as king, he will take the place of Saul. This will be my man, a man after my own heart. Here will be the man whom I will anoint, set on the throne of Israel, and rule and reign through this man's leadership." And so you remember, it was David. So early on, David knew he was anointed by God and called by God even before he came to the throne. But David's occupation, or at least activity in the family, was a shepherd. And even after this anointing, he just, okay, down with the shepherding, I'm off to Washington, D.C. No. What did he do? He went back to shepherding. And then there were other activities, but he was a shepherd. So he knew what shepherding was all about. And so when David, years later, as king, having been through so many Circumstances and difficulties and trials. Having experienced good weather and bad weather. David could look back upon his life and describe the way his fellowship and relationship with his God had taken a hold of him and had controlled him and had kept him. And so what does he use as an analogy? Shepherding. I know what it is to be a shepherd. I know about my sheep. I know the relationship. I know how to shepherd them. I know the rigors, the difficulties, responsibilities. I know that. And I know that what the sheep benefit from my shepherding and what they need. I know all of this. This is how I spent my life. I know this. So David had personal experience of how to provide for the welfare of each sheep individually and corporately of the entire flock. And so what he did, he used this experience to describe God's care for him. So let's read together the 23rd Psalm that is on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So let's look at this psalm and see what the Lord will show us about our walk with him as shepherd that David expresses in this psalm. Verse 1. And I want to go through this carefully and I, I know I try to stay within the time frame. Please forgive me if I go a minute or two over. Sometimes the ministry of God's Word is more than just us speaking, you hearing, and out the door. It has to be heard, and it has to be received, and it has to be thought about and pondered. And we don't want to run, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not warn him. And okay, we talked about the 23rd Psalm. What do it mean? I don't know, but we talked about it. Because that's not the good of the word. This is a meal that God has labored over to share with us. And any of you know, you've spent hours preparing a wonderful meal. (laughs) Then Okay. You say, what was that all about? You didn't even what? Taste it. Have you ever said that to your kids or somebody? Come on. You didn't even what? Taste it. And we want to taste and see that the Lord is good. We want to taste his word. Verse one, the Lord. Well, David begins by using the title Lord with the word Lord in English as a title. But, And I think you know this, but just to make sure. In the Old Testament, you see how it is, well, it's not here done well in ESV. It's capital L, then lowercase, cap, R O R D. But it's all caps. And in your Bible, it should be that way in most Bibles. That means that in the Old Testament, this word Lord is used over 6,300 times. To refer to God, and it is a retranslation of the personal name of God, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. That great name, you remember when Moses stood before the burning bush, and the Lord said, Moses, Moses, here I am. He says, take off your shoes from off your feet, for the ground upon which you stand is holy ground. And he says, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember, and he declares himself as the great I am. And Moses said, what name shall I say to the people? What is your name? What kind of a God are you? What, your, what, are your, what is your characteristic? What are your abilities? Who are you that I should say to these people so they will know that what I'm going to do and what you're going to do, we can depend upon you. And he gives him, tell them that I am hath sent you. The great covenant name of God. That's this name that David begins with, not just God or Master, but Yahweh, His personal name of Yahweh. And so with the name Yahweh, God declares His covenant love and commitment to His people by using this name and by giving it to his people, he is saying, I am with you. I am the God of loving kindness. I am ministering for you. I am always on your behalf. I am always providing and protecting you. I am to you all that you need. Maybe not all that you want, but all of your real needs, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, all that you need, I I am that one who will provide for them because in me is contained everything that you need. That's the name. It is this ultimately personal name that God gives to his people. So we could say what? Yahweh is my shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd. Then the Lord is. Let me see if I did this right. Yeah, the Lord is. Look at the verb, is. What tense is is? Remember present, past, future, and all that? Is is what tense? Present tense. Some of you had a struggle with that. Don't you remember your, your English? I is, I am, is what? Present. So all of a sudden, we're not only... David not only talking about the name of this great and holy, majestic, but personal God, but this God is. David immediately starts to talk about this God, not in a transcendent, distant, he will be, and perhaps this, and hopefully that, and I don't know whether he's coming and where he went, but he is. He is. He is the ever-present one with his people. Now, what is important as we listen to this Each one of us today is either in the midst of some kind of a storm or a storm is coming. Today you may be in fair weather, and that's wonderful. But our need for understanding that God is with us now, whether you're in good weather or bad weather, equally is needed and significant good weather has its issues of idolatry and questioning God, bad weather has its issues of idolatry and questioning God. So we're not saying it's just for the bad weather, it's just it's both. It's the entire panoply of life that comes under this umbrella of God is, Yahweh is. So David is saying, I to my shepherd, I'm sheep, They can say of me, David is my shepherd. Why? Because he's always there with them and available to them and watching over them and caring for them and ministering to them and protecting them and doing everything necessary so the sheep could say, David, David is. But David is saying, Yahweh is. You see what he's saying here. You see, God is not a God of fair weather God. He's a God who is with us for those who are saved, who are his children continually. The Lord is what? My shepherd. The Lord is my It's interesting, we emphasize certain aspects of Scripture. And typically we would say, the Lord is my shepherd. And that's what should be emphasized. But there needs to be something emphasized before you get to the word shepherd. The Lord is what? My shepherd. Oh, how possessive you are. Absolutely. You see, the sheep knew... I mean, David knew, these sheep are mine. And because David owned these sheep, they were his sheep. And as a result of him owning these sheep, his care and his comfort and his presence with them began to create in their minds a reality. Wait a minute. We are owned, but we also belong to David, and he is ours. You see, because there's that bond between the shepherd and the sheep, that strong relational bond. So David belongs to Yahweh. We are the people of God. We've been bought with a price, even the precious blood of Jesus. We are God's people. But conversely... As much as we are God's people, he is our personal God. And we forget that. We forget that. That God has irrevocably bound himself to us in Christ. And in doing so, he and we have been bound in an unbreakable relational fellowship so that we could say, Yahweh is my, he belongs to me. Can you say that? I mean, is that kind of, mm, I don't know if I can say that, God, God belongs to me, but do you get that? God belongs to me. In a personal, possessive, and I won't share him way? No, he belongs to me because I belong to him. And so this morning as we go through this, begin to look at who you are in Christ in a way that allows you to receive the full benefit, or at least a much greater benefit, of what God is doing for us and has done. So by saying the Lord is my, my shepherd, David is emphasizing the strong relational, unbreakable bond between the shepherd and his sheep. So because David belonged to God, God belonged to David. Can you say that about yourself? Can you put your name in there? Because whatever your name is, because Peter belongs to God, God belongs to Peter. Can you put your name in there? He is my shepherd. I'm taking a little time in the beginning because if we don't get verse 1, which is the foundation, everything else crumbles. Having told us this, now what happens is we begin to look at some of the benefits. The benefits of Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. Now this is a gutsy statement. How many of you can say, I shall not want, and really mean it. Great. But most of us are pounded by what? Wants. Most of us recognize there's a whole lot that I need and want, and I'm not getting it. You see, as David surveys his life and all of its issues, as this man looks back over the years of his life, and remember, David's life is not a piece of cakewalk. You remember what happened when Saul was throwing spears at him and trying to kill him and the Philistines? I mean, this was a great problem for many years with David and even when he became king. There were all kinds of problems, rebellions in his household. He was a murderer, and adulterer. I mean, this guy has a messy background. And yet he looks over his life and he says, Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not want. Well, what's the matter? You forgot all the problems and the difficulties and the stuff? No, he remembers them, but he remembers all of it within the context of, but Yahweh is my shepherd. Remember what's going on in your life. Be a realist. But then take whatever it is that's going on and put it under the affirmation, what? Yahweh is my shepherd. I'm driving back last night. I can't say driving for a number of miles because we were just sitting out there on I-10 and the thing was bumper to bumper for five or six, seven miles. Now, if any of you know me, I love sitting in traffic. Jean gets all excited and very dismayed, and she's very impatient, but I I am placid and tranquil. What's the matter? And I begin to, man, look at this. And all of a sudden, the Lord remembered, remember what you're going to talk about tomorrow, I shall not want See, what had happened was I forgot something for a moment. What was it? Yahweh is my shepherd, even on I 10 when ain't nobody going nowhere for a while. But seriously, what is it that you're facing? What is it that's greater? and has greater influence and ability in your life than this, Yahweh is my shepherd. What? Does that not swallow up the needs of your life and put them within the right context? David surveys his life and all the issues, and he says that Yahweh supplies his every need in the very same way that his shepherding has supplied the needs of his sheep. You see, the sheep only know one thing. David. Yeah, but what about that? David. Yeah, but where are we going tomorrow? David. Yeah, but what about this grass? David. Yeah, but I see a storm over there. David. Do you hear it? As they look to David, and as they keep their concentration where? On David. What happens to them, we'll see in a moment begins to transform them and give them the ability to be the sheep who will follow their shepherd everywhere. Well, you don't understand my family, my children, my wife, my husband, my mom and them, my grandma, my mother-in-law, my whoever. But David, but Yahweh, Yahweh. See, David has found that God is sufficient. Remember what first, 2 Peter 1.3 says. By God's divine power, he has granted to us everything necessary for life and godliness. I shall not want. Can I look at my life? Can you look at your life realistically? And can I say with David, I am fully supplied. Yeah, I am, but I'm just needing that raise for, I am fully supplied. Yeah, but I'm not married yet. I am fully supplied. Yeah, but where I'm going, it's not I am f- fully supplied. Why? Because David sits on the throne. The son of David named Jesus Christ. David, Jesus, Yahweh. Can we say, I am fully satisfied with the care of my shepherd? Because you do realize every time you complain, and this is an indictment in my life, I know how I am. I complain, I get worried, I get angry, upset, fretting. What does that say? That I am not, either not satisfied with the care of my shepherd or don't trust him to know or to be able to do what is necessary. And at that moment, you see, I am not looking to Yahweh. I'm not looking to my David. I'm looking down to other things. And that's precisely what Satan wants you to do, to look away and find something about your God that is questionable. Genesis 1, 2, hath God said. Well, what comes from being fully satisfied? What is the result? I shall not want. Verse two: "He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake." You see, David's consistent, faithful, daily shepherding allowed his sheep to experience tranquility in whatever pasture because they knew that he had already prepared a pasture that was for their benefit, right? Why could the sheep know this water's okay? Why could the sheep know this pasture's okay? There are no wolves over there. There are no snakes over there. This water won't be poisonous. Why? Why? Because you see, wherever David led them, they knew. that it was for their welfare and benefit. So maybe he led them down a path. Well, oh, we've never been on this path. Well, I don't know, I don't like that path. You know, that path for people, I don't know why I said that. And yet, look to David. Because David knows what he's doing and what's best for us and where our welfare is. And so David knew this because he knew. I have scoured the countryside, I have gone ahead and prepared, I have tasted the water, I have, you know, gotten rid of all the dangerous animals, and therefore any place I lead you because of my previous work and my continuing work with you, I know it's for your benefit. And they learned this so they could follow him anywhere. Do we realize that we are experiencing, and I don't think we get this, and it's a shame, we realize that we are experiencing, we are today now, we are experiencing the miracle, most incredible miracle. You know, we come to church or whatever, and someone has a physical problem, emotional problem, or, or whatever kind of problem it is, and we want that person to be prayed for, amen? amen. And we believe in prayer. Even on your deathbed, we're going to pray that God heals you. So we're not going to be squeamish and back down. And then if someone is crippled and they get walked, oh my God! And and, and rightly so. Everybody buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. And the church would be filled next week. Come to this church where the pastor can lay a hand on you and you be healed. We would not be able to get in a mile of the place. Amen? They weren't about how to fill churches today. But that's not the great miracle that we see. What we see, we miss. The miracle of God's ever daily presence with us day by day, moment by moment in every activity of our lives, providing and leading and protecting and preparing every single day, all the intricacies and the the mundane and the ordinary and the regular stuff of every day. And yet, God is in the midst of it, ministering to us, and He says, I want you to see that as I lead you daily, I am leading you into green pastures. I am leading you beside the still waters. I am refreshing you on a daily basis. And the reason you're not getting as much as you should, or maybe not even getting any of it, because you're not realizing the awesome miracle of God's ever-present Ministry and activity and power in our lives, don't you see? We become too idolatrous. We look at the daily things and and we begin to equate what's going on with the natural phenomena and with this was just luck. Don't ever use that word with me. No, it's demonic. Any Christian who has the word luck in your vocabulary, strike it out. It's, it's demonic. It is. I I'm really mean it. It's a demonic word. And we look at all of this and say, yeah, yeah, but, you know, yeah, I have, yeah, but, but you know, this. Yeah, but. Look what God has given to us. Take a moment. Just take a moment. Slow down. Take a moment. We have all day. Take a moment right where you are and to think about God's presence and provision in your life at this very moment. What would happen if Yahweh would withdraw himself from you? Then what would you have? What would your fancy car, your fancy house, your fancy suit, your pretty dress, what would it mean? It would be all hay, wood and stubble, and ashes and dirt amen this miracle of god's ever presence with us i have to fight for that i have to sit and remind myself yahweh is my shepherd i shall not want His ever-constant care. So like David's sheep, and we don't realize this, but hopefully today you will, because Yahweh, like the shepherd that David was, because of his constant presence with them, his sheep, were able to enjoy the pastures and the watering and be refreshed in themselves and walk in the path of righteousness for God's namesake on a regular and daily basis because of the presence and ministry of David the Shepherd. And it may not even have been a cognitive thing with the sheep. Oh, look, oh, we're in a new, you know, we're in a new grassy area where there are waters. It's just, oh, OK, that's just grassy. Enough. And we take it for granted. Are well, you like I am? I take so much of this for granted. And yet, how many of you, now this is going to be a challenge for you to answer, how many of you woke up this morning? no hands only a couple of you woke up you see that's the problem y'all are staying asleep how many of you woke up this morning oh how many of you were able to hear this morning how many of you able to see this morning to taste this morning and you're going to laugh at this but this is part of it how many of you able to go potty this morning no look old people know that's a benefit Several of the old people, yeah, you're on my right. How many of you were able to put on your clothes this morning? How many of you are wearing clothes this morning? How many of you live in some place that gives you a shelter? How many of you have some kind of means of transportation? And and yet we go through it all. These are the green pastures and the waters and the refreshment of God. But we only get not the benefit of having it, but the benefit of being internally built up and assured and satisfied in this shepherd to the extent that we are aware of and are actively embracing the reality that God is present with me in all of this therefore all of this proves my father's continual presence and care doesn't it this is the green pastures the still waters the restoration of soul being led in paths of righteousness why does God do this why does he do it Because he loves us. Do we have a love like this anywhere else? Is there anyone like our shepherd? No. Remember these words of Jesus in Matthew 11 and 28 and following. He's standing there and he says, come unto me. Remember the great shepherd? Jesus says, I am the shepherd, the good shepherd in John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. He says, come unto me, all ye who are what? What? Weary and heavy burden and laden down. And I will give you rest. Does this have a pointer on it? I will give you what? Rest. Restores. I will lead you beside the still waters. I'm going to lead you in the path of righteousness. You're going to lie down. You're going to lie down with God in the green pastures. Because you see, the shepherd also would lie down with his sheep. And so God, if you allow me to say this, lies down with us and drinks with us. He's not restored, but he's with us. He's not just over there, you lie down, you do that. He is with us. In the person of Christ, he has become one with us. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, to the extent that we know this and we embrace this this shepherding, care, leadership, faithfulness of our God. Fighting and resisting, doubting and fretting and fear and questioning. We have to fight and resist doubting, fear, fretting, anxiety, questioning. We have to fight that stuff. And to the extent that we fight it, we're going to be able to rest in the green pastures with God. We're going to be able to drink of the gentle streams of God's spirit. We're going to be refreshed by God's presence on a daily, continual basis. And we're going to walk with God down the path of righteousness, his own path. So the storm, the the weather's been pretty good in here, hasn't it? But see, the problem is what? Oh, Yeah, yeah, but the storms are coming. The storms are coming. We haven't had a hurricane here for a few years. Thank God. I hope we never have another one. Amen? But the reality and the probability is what? The storms are coming one day. So let us gird ourselves and as Churchill said, let us therefore brace ourselves, brace ourselves during the good days. Let us learn and drink in and absorb and experience so much of the presence and the power and the faithfulness and the care and the stability, etc., of our God so that when the storms come, baby, we ready. We ready. You don't prepare for Katrina the night before the storm hits. I don't know. How many of y'all has actually stayed here for Katrina? Man, y'all weird. You know, only about four or five or six of us. And so I wasn't outside the night before Katrina hit trying to do stuff. We had already had it done. And so eight o'clock Monday morning, you know, wind started, but eight o'clock Monday morning, babes, this storm is here. It is blowing against the house. 120-mile-an-hour wind, I mean, this thing, and then, and then about 10, 30, 11 o'clock or whatever, 12, 11, 11:30. it turns, remember, it came through, and then it comes from the other direction, and whatever is blown that way now is going to be blown that way. But we're ready because we spend the days which are good weather, and most of it is, drinking in the presence of our God regularly so you leave here today you have a card in your bulletin take it out and every day every day begin some kind of way or during the day Yahweh is my shepherd I shall not want you have to be brought before the boss because of something before you go in Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. The car just got a flat tire. Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. Fix your focus on David. Fix your focus so that these things won't sink your boat. But even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, See, now David starts talking about something we don't want to hear because there are going to be valleys in our lives, valleys that are so dark that may seem like death itself. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but when I say I, I and Keith and the rest of us know several of you. We know you, and you know we do. And hopefully you're glad we do. But if I wanted to, which I won't do, I could walk down the aisles and start saying to you, either you are or you have been in a very dark place. Very dark place. And it felt like what? That you weren't going to make it. I'm not going to make it. This time, it's too bad. It's too deep. They've done too much. I've gone too far. It's a valley of the shadow of death because surely Satan wants you to believe that death is greater than life. So what does he say? He says this. It's during such storms that our faith and our shepherd's presence and ability is most challenged, isn't it? Remember in Luke 8, Jesus says to the disciples, we're going to the other side of the lake. We're going that way. We're going to get there. They all got in the boat. These are sailors. I mean, these guys spend their t- most of the days in the water. Remember, they're fishermen most for the most part. And all of a sudden, they're out there, and all of a sudden, whoosh, these waves and winds. I mean, Oh, my God, we're sinking. What in the world? And Jesus, what in the world? Get up. What are you doing sleeping? We're dying out here. Don't you care? We're about to die. They had to wake him up. So they woke him up. He stood up, holding on to the mast. I'm I'm assuming, you know, this thing is wild back and forth, water lashing and waves and winds. I mean, you know, it's a furious storm. This isn't just calmly getting up there. I mean, he would have been thrown in the water. Keith, he had to hold on like anybody else had to hold on. And I can imagine him standing there, his arm against the mast of that ship, and all of a sudden, be muzzled. Be muzzled? My Bible says, be still. It's Word that Mark uses when you speak to demons. Be muzzled. Put a muzzle on it, baby. And all of a sudden, what happened? I mean, think about it. What would you have felt? And all of a sudden, oh, my goodness. We thought the winds and the waves were terrifying who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him you know who he is he's our shepherd and we look at that so yeah well you know yeah well it's a shame they didn't trust Jesus I mean come on they should have trusted him I mean you know it's easy for you to say that because it's not your life and you read the book But the thing is in there, the story's in there, so when your life does encounter a storm, you will know that as he did it there, and then he will do it now with us. Amen? Yes, he will. He may not do it the way you want to or the way you like. I always have not wanted or liked what God has done, but I've always learned that it was the best way. And as a result of that, I have learned and am still learning that I can lie down in green pastures, I can drink beside the still waters, and I can be refreshed in soul and continue down the path of righteousness. Why? Because this God is a ministering shepherd to us. He's mine, I'm His. Yea, though I walk. What does that mean, walk? The Greek is parapeteo. means your daily manner of life. You know, all of a sudden stump, something happens.
1: Ah, 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 ah,
0: ah, ah. You know, all of a sudden we do, you do ah, whatever. We, ah. Well, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say, let's get the hell out of here, man. we got to get out of here because there's a problem coming. It doesn't say that. He said, yea, though I walk through. How do the sheep know they can walk through it? How do the sheep know they can walk through it? Because you see they have seen David walk through dangerous, dark looking like death valleys before. He used to stay here. He kept the sheep over here in this area and he would traverse the very difficult ravines and whatever and he would go through and then he would come back. And when he came back, they knew what He went through safely. Now we know that because He went through and has come back, we also can go through with Him. Yea, though I walk through whatever valley of death that may sound like and look like death, I can fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. You see, our shepherd has gone through the deepest, darkest, and most dangerous and deadly valley of all, the cross. He's done it. He's gone through, and he's come back in the resurrection. See, David learned that Yahweh was as much with him in the storms as he had been in the good weather. David knew And the sheep knew, I can trust God in this storm because I have seen and experienced God's caring presence in all the other days of my life. It's important to to review and remember the regular work of God's presence in you on a daily basis so when the stuff happens you draw upon what you already know by experience i knew our house would go through the hurricanes because the thing was built in the 1870s and it's been through every other hurricane yeah there's going to be a few things broken here and there but the house is going to stay why because it has already been tested And David says, the sheep say, we've been, we, we, David's been tested. He's gone through. He's come back. David says, I can look at my life and all of that. And Yahweh's been there all the time. And I know he'll continue to be there with me. He's my shepherd. That's why. Our shepherd has gone through the valley of the shadow of death, but he came back. Listen. Listen. Luke 24, 6, while you're looking for the dead among the living, he is not here. He is risen. Amen? You see, we're not talking about some flaky shepherd and some, some mystical kind of a thing. Ooh, ooh. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a man. went to the cross, and he received upon himself all the sin of all his people, and endured the hell of God's wrath and judgment upon himself instead of us, so that in his payment our sins were being paid for. And when he died... Remember Jesus on the cross, hands out. And he says, you know, in a few chapters before, he says the, in 1430 of John, the evil one cometh, but he has nothing in me, but he's coming. And Jesus allows his hands to be stretched out. And so when his hands are stretched out, For the first time, I can hear Satan say, thank you. I don't know who to thank, I suppose. I can't say, thank you, God. I am so glad now he's been pinned down. He can't get away. I got him now. He can't defend himself. His hands are tied down. He's nailed down. I got him now. And Satan and his minions begin to apply the penalty of death. Remember in Hebrews 2.14, the penalty of death, the weapon, the ultimate weapon. We're going to kill him. We're going to kill this man. Look at him. He's defenseless. Oh, we have him now. And Satan moves in and Jesus dies. But what Satan failed to see is that when his time to die was here. He wasn't put to death. You see, Satan thought, we're going to put him to death. We got him. Got him. Jesus says, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And he gave up his spirit. And imagine Satan ready to kill him, and all of a sudden, the arms of Jesus encircle the entire panoply of hell including Hades and death and as Jesus goes under into death they all go under wait a, minute, wait a minute we didn't and underneath but when he came out of the grave they all stayed in the grave as to their authority and ability over us amen You see, our shepherd has gone through. He's conquered, and he has returned. He is my shepherd. What can touch me anymore? And if it does touch me, it is for the glory of God, as I can trust in him in the midst of all of it, to always be my David. Yeah, he swallowed it up. Just read the end of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Death, where is your victory? Death is swallowed up in victory. Yeah, he had his hands out, but he had his hands out for a different reason, Satan, than you thought. And he said, come on, come on, come on. Now, whoom! (laughs) Satan is still probably scratching his head on that one. He says, I will fear no evil. For you're with me. Because we know that we are not alone in the valley. We're not alone. We can say with David, I'll fear no evil. For you're with me. Remember what Hebrews 13, 5 says. as a promise. I will never, no never, no ever leave you nor forsake you. Comes from Jeremiah. You see, our shepherd is not only with us, but he is armed with the ability to care and protect. He's armed with the ability to care and protect. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, our shepherd is not only with us, but he is armed with all the ability to take us through safely and provisionally through the valley. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus, remember, about ready to ascend and he tells the disciples, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go! I have all the weaponry, all the necessities, everything that is needed to shepherd you all the way to the end. And so, like the sheep saw their David, and they saw the the shepherd's crook, and they saw the the rod, and they knew that this man would be able to protect them because they've seen it from wild animals. And if they fell in a ravine to to pull them out and to guide them through these uh, areas that they weren't uh, understanding how to go. He could do that. Why? Because he was armed with the correct weaponry and the abilities and the giftings to do this. And so was our David. He uses his staff to guide and control us while using the club to beat down the enemies. You see, and now Jesus has given us the ability. And now we share. We share in this ability. Now there's a lot more we could say about all of this, but we'd be here a long time, and that's okay. But we have been given abilities. We've been given weapons. 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. There is no reason why any of us as believers need to put up with or countenance any attack from the enemy. When it happens, we need to submit ourselves to God. We need to resist Satan with the weapons that we have been given, understanding that these are not natural weapons, but these are the weapons of our shepherd and use them against Satan. So when we do, he will flee from us. James 4, 7. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. See, David's picture here, he sees Yahweh's presence with him, all of this presence and activity and all of this work. He sees this presence with him even in the valley. He sees the presence of God with him as a feast. In the valley, in the terrible times, David says, yeah, there's stuff going on, but Yahweh is still my shepherd. And I see in the midst of everything that I am invited to a table of feasting with my shepherd, even in the midst of this, even in the face of the difficulty or the face of the enemy. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Look at what the feast is. Well, where's the feast? I don't see any feast. All I see, the feast is Yahweh is my shepherd. The feast is David is here with me. Now the world may think you're nuts, but that's okay. You let them think that. And to the extent that we can feast In the storm, others will know, wow, your God is God. Even in the midst of the storm, in the presence of mine enemies, David sees that he is still Yahweh's sheep whose life overflows with the presence of God's purpose. And then lastly, whoops, did I go wrong? Six. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Look at the word follow. Do you see the word follow? It's a weak translation. It's weak. The Hebrew means to chase after, to pursue. Come on up, Nance. To chase after, to pursue. Ben, come on up. That's what that word means, to follow. It just doesn't mean, ah, oh, I'm moving along and something's following me. No. This is the activity of God's tenacious, persistent, purpose his passionate desire and insistence to chase us down and pursue us with his love that's what this means i'm not just ambling, uh, rambling and aimlessly walking through life As I walk through life, I have a God who is not only leading me, but who is chasing after me to give me more of his presence and power and goodness and mercy. He is insisting that I have more. Why? Because I always need more. And there's always more to give. So you see, in the final analysis, David has come to learn that Yahweh is not only with him in the good and the bad weather, And hopefully we thought the same thing this morning. But that Yahweh is passionate about pursuing David with his goodness and mercy all the way into eternal life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is that how you feel about your life? Probably not, right? But we need to start feeling the way David was, felt. Why? Because you see, as he led his sheep, the sheep didn't know necessarily, that David in his leading was also pursuing their welfare. In his leading, he was always pursuing their welfare. You see, Satan is such a liar, such a deceiver, such a thief. He wants us to use the weather patterns of our lives. He wants to use these things whether good weather or bad weather, to weaken our faith in the wonderful, miraculous presence and faithful goodness and the enduring presence of, and care and protection of Yahweh. So as we stand and sing this song together, and we'll close with this. Take this card with you. And every day, start your day this way as we stand to sing the Lord, or better still who? Yahweh is my shepherd, therefore what? I shall not want. And begin to let Him in His presence become more and more real and vibrant and ministering in your life. I need this. I have to have this regularly. So that at the end of every day, we can look back at the end of the day and say, surely, God has pursued me with this goodness all the day long. Amen. And what that shows me is I'm going to be in the house of the Lord forever. Let's sing this together as Ben leads us.
1: Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take him at his word to rest upon His promise, just to know, the saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. Trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood, just in simple faith. Flood, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust Thee, precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that Thou art with me, wilt be with me too. How I trust him, how I've proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him
0: more. I give you a warning. I believe the Holy Spirit has ministered to some and hopefully to everyone this morning. I get blessed by teaching and preaching. I don't know how you are. I get blessed. But every time the Word of God goes forth, there is a pushback by the enemy. And so each one of us in some way, the enemy is going to say, oh, really? Oh, really? You think Dave, he's your David? You re- really?" Be prepared for pushback by Satan. It could happen before you get to the door. Be ready. So when it does, and no matter what form you can say, in the face of it, Jesus is my shepherd. I shall not want. Amen. Amen.